How's everybody doing today? Hanging in there? Yeah. I like that. Um, we might have some stragglers coming in today. I don't know how many of y'all come in on the Southwest Freeway, but there was a bad accident there when I came through at Chimney Rock and they had all the lanes shut down. So we might see some, some people will maybe joining you a little bit late if they're coming from that direction. Uh, so let's not stare at them and judge them when they walk in 15, 20 minutes late. Um, I, I thought I'd dress up for you today, uh, unlike I normally do. Yes, uh, I'm actually working late tonight, so after this I'm going to go back home and then sleep and then get up and go to work at 2 in the afternoon, and it'll be a good time. Um, just a few announcements to share with you before we get started underway here. Uh, one is that if you, ever, if you don't go to the Sunday evening service at church, you may not be aware of this, but we're going to have some special uh, worship guests this weekend. They'll be Shane and Shane and Bethany Dillon. Um, if you haven't heard them before, uh, just listen to KSBJ for a day, and I guarantee you'll probably hear at least one of their songs. Well, I guess not, because they're doing Christmas music now. Uh, but uh, you've, if you've listened to KSBJ before, you've probably heard of them. Uh, anyway, they're going to be this Sunday. Uh, they're great. Uh, one of the Shanes, I don't know which Shane it is, is actually engaged to Bethany Dillon. Uh, but uh, I'm sure uh, your wife, or maybe if you have a daughter that's heard Bethany Dillon before, really likes her music, they're going to be here. It's free. Uh, it's not like it's a concert. It's just uh, they're just going to be leading us in worship, and it's going to be a good time. So if you come in the morning, maybe come in the morning, then come again in the evening, if, uh, if you want a real treat when it comes to that. A lot of musical talent uh, will be up there on stage like there is every single Sunday. Also, uh, just a reminder that next week, next Thursday, December the 13th, is going to be our last meeting before we break for Christmas in the new year. Uh, it'll be this coming, this, this will be our last Thursday. Then we will start again on January the 10th, Thursday, January the 10th. If you can't make January the 10th and you still want to get the lesson, you can come on Sunday, January the 6th. That'll be the start of the Sunday sessions that happen right before church on Sunday evening. So at 5 o'clock, that starts here. Uh, so we'll be kicking back off then the uh, first full week in January, not the first Thursday in January. It'll be the second Thursday for us on the 10th. And when we start back next semester, we're going to be done with uh, dealing with the wounds. We'll have one more to close out the heart wound. And then we're going to start looking at the biblical definition of what a man is. We're going to be defining manhood using the Bible. And uh, Eric told me to encourage you to invite uh, some friends to come along, maybe some guys from work. Or if you have a teenage son at home, maybe kick him out of bed pretty early and come on over because uh, we're going to be done with unpacking the heart wounds. And we're going to start unpacking what it means to be a man based on looking at what the Bible has to share about that. So it was going to be um, a very good time for that. Um, we have a special uh, guest today. Uh, this will be his first time speaking at Quest. He's a member at our church, uh, and he has a ministry that involves uh, taking him to uh, Sam Houston State in Huntsville to teach a Bible study called Truth, and he also trains pastors from the, Middle Eight, uh, from the Middle East. He's here to talk to us about the heart wound today. It's a wound that all of us have in common. You may have, you may have had a great father, great mother, had great friends, but all of us have the heart wound. Uh, and so he's going to be talking to us about that, introducing that today. And uh, everyone else, every one of us has a testimony, and uh, after Sheen Ziafat has a testimony that's probably a little more unique than most of us, given that he comes from a Muslim background. He'll probably be talking a little bit about that. He's spoken at church before, so you probably know him. And we're going to pray, and then we'll welcome Afshin up on stage and talk about our wounded hearts. All right? Father, thank you for this day, and thank you, God, for uh, bringing us here and getting us here safely uh, to learn more about you. Lord, show us just how depraved our hearts are uh, from birth. And, uh, and for some of us tonight, God, just show us, or this morning, show us how far we have come uh, because of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak boldly through Afshin. I pray that you would give him words to share with us that would penetrate right to our heart and speak to us about the condition that we find ourselves in today. Thank you for this food. Uh, may you watch over those who may be coming in late. Uh, it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. And let's welcome right. Afshin. Hey. Thank you for having me. All right, good morning. I am... Uh, 
honored to be with you here this morning, and Eric, uh, wherever he is, Eric, thank you for for having me. So, um, so wow, we're going to do the slides still? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Man, technology, that's very nice. All right, so you're going to do it from there. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, cool. Hey, how's everyone doing? Good? How many of you were here when, when I preached, I don't know, however many months ago that was, two months ago, a couple months ago? Okay, um, as you heard, my name is Afshin Ziafat. It's a, it's a unique name. Uh, it's a Persian name. My family's from Iran. <coughs> and uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, I've had this cough that will not go away. I'm not sick anymore, but the cough has been lingering, so I hope it didn't bother you uh, too much this morning. But if anyone's a doctor, we can talk afterwards. But anyways, uh, I've um, uh, come from a Muslim background, and I'm not going to share my whole testimony with you this morning, uh, but just uh, I grew up a Muslim. My dad's a very prominent Muslim here in Houston. My senior year in high school, I became really curious uh, about God uh, through several circumstances, and I started reading a Bible that I was given years ago uh, by a teacher. And reading the Bible, I came face-to-face with who Jesus Christ is, what His call is on, on my life, and um, long story short, I, um, through reading it and other circumstances, I went to an event where uh, I heard the gospel and gave my life to Christ. And so I've been a Christian now for almost, what, 17, 18 years or so. And um, God's now called me into ministry, and I travel around the country, and I, and I preach. And this is my home church, so it's very fun uh, to be here. And I'm not married, do not have children, so that's why I wasn't asked to, I think, maybe, uh, why I was not asked to speak on like being a father or anything, because I have no idea, right? But this one I have down, because we all have down <laughs> what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and that's our, our nature wound. We'll get to that um, here in a second. So... Um, I really do believe that what we're going to talk about the next two weeks, and then I'm going to be with you also the first session after um, the break, after our little break. I I believe these three weeks are uh, going to be some of the most crucial, if not the most crucial weeks for us. And for some of you in particular, specifically, uh, it's going to be life-changing. I really believe that. And not because I'm here. (laughs) It has nothing to do with me doing the talking or the speaking, but because of the content we're looking at, because of uh, how important and crucial uh, this is. All right, so <coughs> um, let's do this. I know we just uh, prayed, but um, I like to start this way. Uh, I want you to pray. So I want you to bow your head real quick. I know you're probably eating right now, but just bow your head real quick <coughs> and just take a moment, and I want to ask you to pray. Um, just everyone, silently, individually, um, don't pray out loud, but just silently where you are, would you just take a moment and, and just say, God, speak to my heart, prepare my heart, and speak to it as, as we look at this uh, issue. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, your word, and we thank you, God, for... Um, the truth that's in it, and Lord, we just pray that as we look at um, at, at this uh, wound that comes from nature, Lord, that it's in our nature, Lord, that you would open our eyes, God, and draw us to just be transparent and open before you, God, and honest, and not try to hide behind uh, any masks, God. And we just love you. We pray your will be done today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
All right, if you grab your, your books, uh, you can follow along. But basically, we've been, uh, I know you have been looking at the wounds of, of nurture, the nurture wounds. And uh, <coughs> we talked about, you know, uh, I know you guys have talked about having a father that's been absent possibly or a mother who's been maybe overbearing or uh, some sort of an abuse maybe from, from your childhood, from your past. Uh, we, we've kind of unpacked all that stuff. And basically, we, we call those... Uh, nurture wounds. Those are wounds that are that come from outside. Those are wounds that come from our environment. And every one of us has some sort of uh, wound uh, that comes from that. And uh, we, I know you guys have been talking about unpacking your your suitcases. And uh, and it might be that you have you know really kind of looked down that checklist and thought to yourself, well, you know, I have, I have a good father uh, that was not you know, absent. He was there for me. And you might say, you know, my mom, she, I had a good mom. I didn't have any kind of a really uh, abuse or anything like that. And, and uh, man, I had a lot of friends. You know, I, 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 some of you maybe said, I did have the mentors. We talk, I know you talked about that. And you might just be saying, man, I don't know. I mean, my, I'm, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty well off in, the, in those areas. Well, uh, I, regardless of what your background is and what kind of wounds you have that come from the outside, what we're going to talk about today, every one of us falls under this umbrella. This hits every one of us. And we're, going to, we're talking about a, a nature wound, a wound that comes uh, from birth, from within us, that every single one of us has. And this wound is not a respecter of race, of age, of background. Every single one of us has this nature wound, and, and it's crucial for us to look at it. And so what we're going to look at today is we're, we're calling it a wounded heart, all right? And so... Uh, we, we all have this wounded heart that comes from us uh, from birth. And I want you to just see, uh, listen to what Paul says and, and see if this kind of resonates with you. If we can put that scripture up. Uh, this is from Romans chapter 7. I want you to read this uh, as I read along. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. Okay? For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Let's keep going. For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. <coughs> Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And so, I don't know if that resonates with you. It should. Every one of us uh, have probably been there where we have this, uh, uh, this war that's within us, where we have the wishing, we have the desire to do good, but somehow we end up doing the very thing we don't want to do, right? And so every one of us has this, uh, this nature inside us, this wounded heart that drives us, uh, that we have this bent towards sin and really what God would not want from us. And so that's for, for, for every single one of us, we have uh, this problem. And our culture is going to try to answer this for us in so many ways. Uh, if you go to any kind of bookstore, there's psychologists, I mean, a- anyone, you, you see these self-help books that are all over, self-help, self-empowerment, uh, you know, if you think right. There's one book that um, I want you to see. It's called uh, Born to Win, if we can put that up right there. Uh, <coughs> Born, to Win, Born to Win, it's pretty much uh, under, you could, you could bring it down to this root, this foundation, that um, the, the thinking behind books like this is basically, it's based on the goodness of man, all right? 
that, that man inherently is good, and, and man, if we just, if we really kind of focus on that, then, then you know, you're born to win. And so, so we got to line this up, this, what the culture says and what psychologists want us to hear, with what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God really honestly says exactly the opposite. It does not say that we're born to win. We're going to find out, uh, Scripture's going to tell us exactly the opposite. We're actually born to lose. Because you know, the question is, if we're all born to win, then how come so many of us fail? How come so many of us are losing in relationships, uh, losing in, in, in addictions? I mean, how come if we're all born to win? And so it doesn't completely solve uh, that problem. <coughs> culture, we're going to get to these half-truths now, all right? So culture uh, is going to try to give us some answers. Let's look at the first one. And we're calling them half-truths because... They're partially correct, but they don't really hit the root. They don't go all the way down to the root of the problem. So the first one that, that culture might scream at us is we're losing out because of poor self-esteem. You know? That if we just had the right thinking about ourselves, we'd thought good about ourselves, then you would succeed. Then you're, you're born to win if you just think well about yourself. And, and we know this is not true. Uh, there's a Saturday Night Live skit that came out a few uh, Years ago, you might remember this. You remember this guy, Stuart? Is it Stuart Smalley, right? And so, what was his thing? He says, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh, or doggone it, people like me, right? And so, it was such a hilarious skit, we laughed at it, right? But here's, uh, here's a couple of stats uh, that I want you to see, or here. In 1940, uh, there was a survey, <coughs> 11% of women and 20% of women stated in the survey that they believe they're important. They said, I'm important. 11% women, 20, I mean men, uh, and 20% women. And then in the last decade, same survey, listen to this, 66% women, 62% men. So from 1940 to this past decade, I mean, it's jumped by about 50% that people think that they're important. So we think pretty good about ourselves, but let me ask you, do you think that we're better off since 1940 in our country, morally? I mean, how are we doing in divorce? How are we doing in addictions? Uh, how are we doing when you look at just our society, the fabric of our society? Are we doing better morally? And I, so I think we can't tie it back to just thinking good of yourself. Um, let me give you one more. <coughs> Six nations um, were given a math exam. Students were given a math exam. And at the end of the math exam, there was a question. Listen to this question. Yes or no, I am good at math. That was it. All right? Yes or no, I'm good at math. Now, in the United States, the students, the American students, 68% of them checked, yes, I'm good at math. In Korea, the Korean students, 25% of them checked, yes, I'm good at math. Well, interestingly enough, the Korean students scored first in the actual math test, whereas our American students scored last among those six nations that took this test. So again, it doesn't matter how good we think of ourselves, uh, how much we have positive thinking, which a lot of even preachers want to tell us uh, sometimes, if you just think right, you're going to do well, you still have that problem on the inside that is not going to be cured by that. And it's just a mask. So let's go to the second uh, half-truth. It's this one, uh, that we're losing out because others are to blame. <coughs> All right? That others are to blame. And so what we like to do, obviously, this... This is uh, a disease that goes back to the very beginning, right? Adam and Eve, right? Didn't they? That's exactly where it started. When Adam and Eve, when God came and said, basically, you know, you're not to eat from that tree. 
And they took, and when Adam was confronted, what was the first thing Adam says? The woman you gave me, right? The woman you gave me, she's the one. And so what we try to do is shift blame. And so a lot of times uh, the half-truth is, man, if you're not winning, all right, if you're struggling, if, if you're not uh, running after God or whatever, then maybe the problem is because of somebody else, right? I want you to watch, do we have that movie clip? Okay, I want you to watch this movie clip that a lot of us, I'm sure you've seen this. She's a court low. Oh, yeah? Then guess what? Open it back up and put it in. That's your penance for the puppet show back there. And while you're at it, fill it up with gas, okay? I'm going to go ask directions to our next huge embarrassing failure. You're <coughs> a huge embarrassing failure. What? Nothing. Crazy. I'm crazy for hey, Chief, could you tell me how far it is to Davenport? 22 miles. Okay, I can't find it on this map. Well, get yourself a new map. No, <coughs> oh, son of a... got to be on the map, Davenport, I mean, because you say <coughs> it's 22 miles away. And you're really smart, yet it's not on the map. Hmm. I'm picking up your sarcasm. Well, I should hope so, because I'm laying it on pretty thick. <coughs> Crazy. That's map of Illinois, which we're in on the border of Iowa, which is where Davenport is, 22 miles away. You're in the wrong state. Get yourself a new map. Oh. Well, that wasn't so hard, was it? Okay, how much are we for gas? You didn't pump any. What? Hey, why don't you pump any gas? They're all out. They only got diesel. Better go to the next station. What'd you do? <laughs> there it is. What'd you do, right? So, so we hide behind this mask many times, right? We try to shift blame, and, and man, this creeps in. And, and uh, again, I'm not married, but man, maybe at times we're tempted to say, man, if my wife, you know, if she would do, do this or do that, or if she was, you know, more in shape or better looking or might look at our boss, man, if my boss kind of helped me out if he wasn't like this. And so we try to put it on, you know, again, the outside stuff, right? And we try to shift blame. And again, that's just another mask. So let's go to the third half-truth. The third half-truth is we're losing out because of a lack of education, because of a lack of education. That, man, if we just, uh, if you kind of knew more, then maybe you would uh, not mess up as much, but we know that's not true, because how many of us know in this country uh, about what overeating, what smoking would do to us, and how much does it stop us, right? I mean, if you, I think, I remember Houston, 
uh, one time was voted like the fattest city, right, in, in the entire country. And so, obviously, it's not because of a lack of education in this country. It's not if we were more educated. I went to the University of Texas, and um, so um, I'm a proud Longhorn, and I know, yeah, there you go. I was waiting for a hiss. Okay, you, you, got, you got us the last two years. But anyways, I went to UT. <coughs> At UT, if you ever go on campus, anyone went to Texas? All right, one only? Okay, you and me, smartest ones here. All right, so anyways, no. No, at UT, we've got, uh, there's that main tower in the middle of the campus. On the bottom of of the tower where the main building is, there's an inscription, and here it is, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who said that? Anyone know? Jesus himself said that in John chapter 8, right? And so, uh, but it's not quoted at all. It's just, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. I just thought it was so incredible that this university that is known to be so, you know, godless and liberal and just totally away from God, that this truth would just kind of be right above everyone's head as they pass through there, uh, the main mall, which is the center of campus, almost every day. And so I'd go up to college students, true story. I'd go up to them and say, hey, um, (coughs) have you ever read that? And they're like, they'll look up, maybe read it for the first time then, or maybe they've seen it before, they're like, yeah, I've seen that, and I have heard so many different, where I've said, you know who said that? They, they don't know that, they, they wouldn't know that answer, and I said, what do you think that means? You don't know how many times I've heard people say, man, higher education. I'm like, what? You shall know the truth, the truth shall you. Man, higher education, man, it'll set you free, man. I'm like, no, it's not about education. And I go, you know, who, you know who said that? Jesus. So I take him to John chapter 8. I tell them how Jesus himself said that I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. So it's not no more stuff, it's know a person. Have a relationship and then you'll be set free. And so again, we know Jesus clearly teaches this. It has nothing to do with how much knowledge you have. Uh, We have the knowledge, but it's not helping us, alright? So let's go to the last one. (coughs) The last half truth is that we're losing out because of defective genes. Now, this... (coughs) <coughs> excuse me, sorry, comes close, all right, comes close to the problem uh, of defective genes because it does go back to something that's biblical that our problem can be traced back to our birth, all right? But a lot of times what we're talking about here when we say half-truth is people who kind of say, man, well, this is the way I was born, so I can't help it, okay? And so they hide behind that. They hide behind that mask of just, man, you know, I, I've just, this is the way I was born, and so, uh, again, I say it comes close to that, the spiritual problem. Now, I want to say this, that <coughs> what we've been talking about, again, of the stuff that are, is from the outside and we're not looking within our, ourselves, this is, man, the way of the world, but I would say to you it's the way of every other religion, listen, this is what I mean, that the problem can be cured by starting from the outside, by doing something on the outside. Islam, the religion I come from, what it was forced in me was that, Afshin, your problem is on the outside. If you just do this, if you do these five pillars of faith to the best of your ability, then maybe, right, maybe you'll be saved. Maybe you'll, you'll be with God forever. And so it's something that starts from the outside and works its way in. I remember being in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and there was, uh, in the E-terminal, which is where Delta was, the concourses there, if you've been to DFW, are really um, narrow, okay? And so already, I mean, it was, it'd always get packed in those concourses. <coughs> I was walking. There was a Muslim guy one day 
uh, true story. He had the, uh, the Muslim prayer rug out facing Mecca, and he was full on doing the prayer, right? And he was doing, and, and I mean, literally, it was so, it wasn't so much that, you, I mean, it wasn't just that you noticed him. I mean, he, almost, he blocked the traffic because the, the concourses were so narrow. You literally had to, like, walk around him. As I was walking around him, um, looking down at him, I, you, know, you know what Jesus said about prayer, by the way? He said, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and once your father sees him private, he'll reward, Right? It, it, but Islam, and I'm not saying this guy was being a show, showing off or something, but it's such an outside thing, out, out, outside in thing. What we're going to look at <coughs> is that this problem, there's, there's a hidden truth, and let's go ahead and put that up. The hidden truth is this, that we are all cursed with a condition known as the depravity wound. Okay, This is a depravity wound that comes from our inside. It's not an outside, there's not an outside cure for it. It's something that's on the inside of us, okay? <clears throat> Let's put up um, if the Jeremiah passage real quick and the Ecclesiastes one if we can. Look at this. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay? So our heart is sick. Let's go to the next one. Furthermore, <coughs> Ecclesiastes, furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men <coughs> are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. So again, it's, it's a wounded heart. It's a heart problem. It's an inner problem. Um, I teach this Bible study, as you heard, every Tuesday night at Sam Houston State uh, University called Truth, about 250 college students. Whenever I'm not there, if I'm out of the country, uh, I have a guy filling in for me. Uh, and he's, um, he's an older guy. He's, um, uh, his name is Bert, and I believe he's in his 50s. Um, and so, maybe 60s now, I don't know. But anyways, he tells me this. Now, some of you who are a little bit older, y'all might know this better than me, but he told me, I got an apple up here today, and not just to signify, right, the garden, Adam and Eve, or anything like that, but um, he, t- he said that he, they used to live out on the farm, but when they would go and get the apples, this is before they had insecticides, all right, <clears throat> before they used insecticides, they'd get these apples, right, and they'd get them before they were fully ripe. And what they would do is they'd set out these apples on the windowsill, open the windows up, set out these apples. So they, Bert told me that the apples would get ripe faster, all right? And so he says every day he'd come down and look at this apple and long for it and just check to see if it was ready, if it was ripe. And he, you know, he couldn't wait. <coughs> he says just as it was getting ripe, invariably uh, almost every time what would happen is he would see the hole, right? Where the, where the worm would go in, right? And so he'd see this, this hole, and he'd be like, he'd be all upset. He's like, man, the worm got in it. And he'd, so he'd, he'd go tell his father, man, why do we even leave him out on the windowsill? And so in his thinking uh, that a worm crawled up and went into the apple from the window, right? And so he, he tells me this. He says that my father says to me, Bert, that worm didn't go into the apple, that worm came out of the apple. And so, now this is the thing, I'm like, you, you, you have to verify this. I don't know this for sure, but this is what Bert told me. He's like, actually, what would happen before insecticides, the moths, they would lay their eggs, okay, in the apple tree <coughs> on the bud, all right, of the apple. And as that egg would grow, would grow, it would grow with the apple, as the apple would grow. 
And so the worm actually would be coming out. It would be already inside the apple. And as the worm uh, is hatched, the worm would come out of the deal. And so I, he, t- he told me this, and I thought, what an incredible, whether that is what happens or not, I've got to verify it. You guys could tell me, but this is what Bert told me. Regardless, I thought, what an incredible illustration. That is our problem. It's not something that's from outside, from without us that's coming in. It's something that we're born in that's, that comes from the inside and it works its way out. It works its way out. So it's this inner <coughs> problem. All right? So let's, uh, what do we written now? Let's write down the second one now. Okay, flip, flip to the back page. This wound <coughs> defined, says this, we're all fallen, okay, and defective creatures at odds by nature with our Creator and each other. Okay, we're all wounded, uh, we're all fallen and defective creatures at odds by nature with our, with our Creator and each other. Okay, ever since, ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve uh, first took this apple, or took the fruit actually, maybe we don't know if it's an apple, took the fruit from the tree, basically the lie that they bit into, okay, the enemy came and told Adam and Eve, God said you, you, not to eat from that tree, and the lie was this, that God knows if you eat from that tree, you'll become like him, okay? And so what they bit into, don't miss this, the lie was you can be God yourself. Up until that point, man was God-centered, but as soon as man took from the tree, man went from God-centered to self-centered. And that disease, that sin, came into our, our existence and it's passed down like a virus, like a disease, to every generation after that first generation. And so we have a bent within us, a heart wound, a bent within us towards self-centeredness, towards sin. All right? And so it's not... <coughs> um, some of you may say, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, a murderer or, you know, I still have some, I still have, you know, a bent at times to do good, to help people. And, you know, when we say that you're, we're depraved creatures, okay, we're fallen, we're not saying that you're going to go do the most wicked thing that you can think of necessarily, all right? And we're not saying uh, that, that you're as bad as you can be, but we're saying that you're as bad off as you can be, all right? Regardless of of how good we are, how much money we give to people, uh, we can't fix this thing up on the outside, all right? It's like someone, an athlete, tearing his ACL, coming off the football field to the sideline, and somehow if they just try to ice it, put a bandage on it or something, and send them back out to the field, there's no way, right? ACL is the most uh, the horrific injury you could have on your knee. I mean, it is completely torn up. I mean, it's got to be fixed from the inside. It's got to be... Uh, surgery has to happen from the inside. And so that's, the, that's what we're saying here. All right, so C, understood depravity, <coughs> all right, is, um, means, excuse me, one, I am separated from God and under His judgment, all right? I'm separated from God and under His judgment. Ephesians 4.18 says that we are alienated from God, all right? We are, we are it's not that we have this, of course, God uh, you know, at birth and on, of course I have a relationship with Him. You know, He created me. The Scriptures teaches at birth. I mean, and until we have this problem solved, we are alienated from God. In fact, the Scripture says before Christ connects us with the Father that we are enemies of the cross, okay? It's not that we're just out of the family of God. The Scripture says we are actually enemies of God, all right? 
we, are, we have turned our back against, uh, to, away from God. And we have this death sentence on us. We have this judgment. We're under that judgment. <coughs> the scripture says in John chapter 3, verse 35 and 36, Father loves the Son and has given all authority to Him. Listen to this. He who, who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. Until this problem is fixed, we are under this, this judgment. We are under this. It's like, and, and you know what? And, and I think this is the next one. Yeah, let's put number two up. I, I, I have inherited a corrupt nature that no human agency can cure. Okay? This can't be cured again by, by, by myself, by my own effort. It, it needs, God's going to have to do it. <clears throat> it's like as someone, you know, God forbid, contracts uh, HIV virus. Okay? Can you imagine that? If you get that result back, I mean, you are walking with that death sentence. And there's nothing that's going to be able to cure that. I mean, it's going to take a miracle, right? Until we come up with that cure. But that's the best I can think of in our modern time to, to think of what this is. We have that death sentence. And, it, and it's going to have to be solved by God. The last one, my corrupt nature left unaddressed inevitably corrupts my life with sin. Are we there? Yeah. <clears throat> my corrupt nature left unaddressed inevitably corrupts my life with sin. And this is a, a teaching that um, is uh, throughout Scripture. Did I skip Psalm 51? Did I skip that one? Okay, yeah. Uh, we, let's just come back. We, no, let's just uh, yeah. Let me let me talk about this real, one real quick because this is huge. Uh, I I skipped Psalm 51. I wanted to talk about that on that last part. But listen to this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That's David. Psalm 51. Listen. What's interesting about this is he takes it back. And in case this is and by the way, this is a great argument about where life starts too. But that's beside the point. He takes it back not to birth. He takes sin back to conception, all right? I was in, my, in sin, my mother conceived me, all right? So we have this nature, right, uh, from the beginning. You know, you don't have to teach. If you ever work in a nursery, right, if you've ever done that before with two-year-olds, you don't have to teach them to misbehave, okay? You have to, what do we teach our children to do good? I mean, that's something that's in, er, inherent in us, okay? <coughs> By the way, let me just say this real quickly, and then we'll go back to the corrupt part. Um, uh, we, uh, this is a huge deal for me as a former Muslim. And let me just hit this real quickly. As a former Muslim, I was taught as a Muslim that man is born sinless. So that's a whole different starting point than what the Scriptures tells us, that we're born in sin. Uh, man is born sinless. In fact, I read a Muslim scholar once who said this. <coughs> he said, I liken the notion of Jesus, okay, to my sitting on a dock, all right, and a man running by and telling me he loves me and throwing himself in the water to, and dr drowning himself to prove his love for me. He said, it's absurd. And I read that and I thought, see, there it is. A Muslim thinks he's on the dock, he's fine. All right? If you believe you're born sinless, hear this, there's nothing to be saved from. Does that make sense? A Christian understands he's in the water drowning and he's in need of a Savior. So this point is crucial. There's no, I, there's no concept for needing a Savior 
if you don't believe you're not born, uh, if you, that you're born in sin, okay? And so that's why Jesus tells us in John 3 that unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. That a spiritual birth has to happen. In fact, Ephesians 2, I'm sorry to bombard you with so many scriptures right now, but Ephesians 2 says that before Christ, that, uh, that you were dead in your trespasses. So literally, look at me here, we, before Christ enters, we are spiritually flatlined. And a dead man cannot raise himself to life, right? Only God can. God's going to have to touch you on the inside and, and, and heal this heart wound. All right, let's talk about the, corrupt, the corruptness again. Back to the third one. <coughs> and then we got two more after this. Bear with me. My corrupt nature, left unaddressed, inevitably corrupts my life with sin. And Luke chapter 7, we don't have to turn there or anything, but you can look this up later. I love this. Jesus says this. Um, go ahead and answer that. They need to hear this. This is important. All right, just joking. All right, a tree is known by its fruit. You remember what Jesus said this? A tree is known by its fruit. A, good, a, a, a man out of a good treasure in his heart will bring forth good fruit. A man out of the bad treasure in his heart will bring forth bad, food, bad fruit. And he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we are on the inside, folks, Scripture tells us, is going to come out. And, it, and this problem, if it's left unaddressed, it, it, it will play itself out in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our life. And we see it all, all over. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, two things, and then we'll be done. These two implications before we go <coughs> to our uh, small groups, okay? Put um, my page. This is... Uh, the, the first one is this. The depravity wound requires a spiritual solution that only God can give. And I already hit that one, okay? But, so, a spiritual problem, we're saying, is what, what this is. A spiritual problem has to be dealt with spiritually. Alright? And so, only God can give the spiritual solution. Now, there's a uh, book that's come out that is going to sell probably millions. And uh, I don't want to really comment on the book because I haven't really completely, because I haven't read it, uh, and you can't judge a book by its cover, but I'm going to kind of comment on the title, if I may, real quickly, and um, the book is called Become a Better You. You heard of this book? I'm sure you probably have. Become a Better You. Again, I have not read the book, but as soon as I saw that title, <coughs> Become a Better You, right, immediately I thought, man, that is completely missing the point. I mean, our, the, the, the point isn't just to become a better me. Right? The point isn't fix yourself up, give money to the poor, do all kinds of stuff, and then be a better person. The point is you can do all that. You can, you can go on mission trips. You can give to people. You can try to go to church, read your Bible, do all the stuff on the outside and try to become a better person, but you still have this problem. Regardless of what you do on the outside, it's not become a better you. It's become a saved you right? It's become a new you, if you will. In fact, Scripture says that the old has to go away. You have to become a new creation. It says, behold, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All th old things have gone away. Behold, all things have become new, right? I don't want to become a better me. I want to become a brand new me in Christ. And so it's, it's got, it, God has to do this. It requires a spiritual uh, solution. And then <coughs> the second one, um, 
Admitting, but before we leave, this is huge, okay? Admitting my depravity wound is the essential first step to finding a real, authentic relationship with God and not just more religion. Praise God for that. More religion will never set you free. A lot of people think that Jesus came and he had a set of rules and he gave it to his disciples and said, you go do these things, I'm going to go over here and die on a cross and one day we'll meet up. That's not what happened. Jesus came to his disciples and said, follow me. So he called them to a relationship with him. Again, that relationship is what sets you free. And you, you have to be born again. You have to be born spiritually to have a relationship with God the Father. And so that's why Christ makes that such a big, big point, all right? And admitting is a, is a crucial thing. God, in fact, when Jesus came, <coughs> if I may say this, I think he, w- he was very ticked off with people who thought they had it all together. And he would get, at, at some point, seriously, he would get angry at the Pharisees and the Sadducees that thought they had it all together. And you know what's so interesting is, you know the people, we're about to close, but you know the people who were drawn to Jesus were those who understood, man, they understood their brokenness, their wound, and their need for a Savior. They understood it. Those are the people who were drawn to Jesus. We got, that, we got another scripture, don't we? Look at this. Matthew 5. Look at Jesus' first sermon. Look what Jesus says. His first words out of his mouth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what that means? People who understand their spiritual bankruptcy. They understand. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're poor. It means that they're poor in spirit. It means they understand their need for Christ. Those are the people who are drawn to Christ. Um, Jesus, uh, this just popped in my head. Let me say this and then we can wrap up. In Luke 18, he tells a story. Luke 18, of two men, a Pharisee and a tax collector that went up to pray in the temple. The tax collector prays. You know how he prays? Um, excuse me, the Pharisee, he says, thank you God that I'm not like this man, okay, an extortioner. And the, fer- the tax collector, who's the outcast of society, the tax collector, says he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. And he beat his chest and said, have mercy on me, God. And Jesus says this, that I tell you the truth, this one went away justified rather than the first one. For whoever wants to exalt himself will be brought down, but whoever humbles himself will be lifted up. So the way we start to see a solution for our heart wound, for our nature wound, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, I'm sorry, next week, and then really beyond Christmas we're going to talk about it. The way we do it, the beginning, the doorway to it is our admitting. Our admitting. Our coming to God and admitting. The word Confess, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all, unri- of all unrighteousness. The word confess <coughs> really, re- literally means, con means with, fess means to speak, like to fess up, right? To speak with God regarding your sin. In other words, make no more excuses for it, but to say exactly what God says about your sin. That this is that t- I take full responsibility, this is me turning my back, just as Adam and Eve did that very first day, turning my back from you, from you. And so God wants that kind of admission. It's not uh, that kind of confession to turn. 
uh, to turn and, and to Him and, and confess that. All right? Um, I had one more thought and, and it slipped me. Give me one second. Well, that's right. Let's move to this last. Do we have that last? Uh, the plane? Thank you. <laughs> this uh, this uh, last illustration I want you to see real quickly. <coughs> it's a Colombian uh, Avianca Airlines is what it is. Okay? And, and here's, here's how the story goes. November 27, 1983. This plane was uh, headed toward, to Colombia, I believe, and it crashed from Paris, I believe, right? And it crashed in Spain, okay? And this automated system, they went and found the black box, you know how you can listen, the automated system, the warning system, started to shout out to the pilot, pull up, pull up, all right? Pilot speaks Spanish, it's saying it in, in, in English, he, he thinks it's just a malfunction. He thinks it's just a malfunction in the system, and they caught on the uh, black box the pilot saying in his native tongue, shut up, gringo, and he shut off the system, right? Minutes later, two minutes later, slammed into a, a, in the side of a mountain, and, and everyone on board was killed, okay? Well, the Scripture, the Bible, is God has been screaming through that to mankind, pull up, pull up, pull up that you have, a, you have a depraved nature. And so we can, either, <coughs> we can either say basically to God, shut up to Him and go our own way, or we can go that path of admission, and look, of admitting, going to God and saying, God, I've sinned. Help me. All right? I want to pray for you, and we're going to go discuss these next questions. So bow your head with me, and let me pray for you before we go. <coughs> Father God, we just... Thank you, Lord, for for this lesson, God. We thank you, God, that I think, Lord, it's it's a it's a relief to know, God, that this um, this wound is not something that I have to try to cure by my own effort, but I got to turn to the one who can cure it, Lord. God, I just pray that um, we would hear these words, this truth, Lord that you are calling us to you, God. And so, Lord, uh, I just pray for these men as they uh, are about to discuss in their small groups, God, that you would anoint this time, that we'd speak to each other's hearts, God, that it would be you speaking. God, ultimately, draw us to you. We don't want to be like the, the Pharisees who think we have it all together or that we hide behind uh, blaming others or blaming our society or blaming defective genes, but, God, to understand that this is a heart problem that we've got to take to you. And I pray every one of us would have the boldness to do that. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Go do it. Thanks for having me this morning. All right.